Thank you for listening to the Power Shift Mindset. We'll be discussing techniques, concepts, and strategies to help you achieve the success and happiness you're looking for. Hey guys, it's Coach Jay, and today I'm talking about youth athletes and what we need to do to preserve them and not burn them out, but at the same time, we do need to push them so they can excel in their activities and sports. Hey guys, so today I'm talking about trying to not burn out youth athletes. Now, when I coached high school sports here in Connecticut, we had a policy where as a coach for a particular sport, you could not coach them in the off season. Now, with that said, we were allowed to coach half of what's on the field. So in this case, soccer, five and a half would be half out of 11, rounded up to six. So I could coach my soccer team in the fall. And then if they decided they wanted to put an indoor team together, if there were only six of my athletes on that team, I could coach that eight week session. But then if one dropped off and another one came on, that would now be a seventh athlete. I can no longer be involved. And same thing with other sports, volleyball, there's only six on the court. You can coach three in the off season. Um, there are some odd stipulations with some of the individual sports like wrestling and swimming, just because a lot of times the town coach is the high school coach and those are individual sports. But for the most part, you cannot coach your athletes off season. Another thing you cannot do, uh, at least in Connecticut, was an athlete could not play high school sports and play the same sport within that season. So you can't play high school soccer in the fall and play on the town league or travel league in the fall. Now, you could play high school soccer and play fall baseball. And then when the spring came around, played high school baseball and spring soccer. That was okay, but they did not want you playing the same sport uh, on two different teams within the same season. And a lot of this is to prevent burnout. You would get those diehard coaches that wanted their soccer players to only play soccer in the fall and then play indoor soccer in the winter and then play spring soccer and not allow them to play basketball in the winter and not allow them to play baseball in the spring or whatever sport. Uh, I know boys soccer across the country is in various uh, times of the year. I know down in Virginia where my mother was living at one point, she had commented on how I needed to move down there and I said I couldn't because soccer and baseball were both spring sports and then I'd have to pick one. Um, I know out in Utah where, where Jen lives, who's covered a couple episodes, uh, when I was out there, I was looking to see if there was any high school matches to watch. And in that, and down there, boys soccer is also a spring sport. Uh, where like up here, both boys and girls soccer are fall sports, but boys and girls volleyballs are opposite seasons. Girls volleyball in the fall, boys volleyball in the spring. Uh, I know recently, uh, I, I don't know when it happened, but they moved uh, golf from a spring sport to a fall sport. So the big thing is, what age do we really push our athletes, and at what age can do we need to hold them back? Um, I know there's sports that physically take less toll on athletes, and then there's sports that take a, a big physical toll. I mean, soccer is a lot of running, so if you have that that eight year old kid who. I mean, maybe you're just playing rec league, and then all of a sudden at 10, you start putting him on a little bit of a travel team or more of an elite team, and then at the U13 age, and then the U15, and, and up and up and up through high school. I mean, that's a lot of wear and tear in the body, a lot of running. Um, I mean, obviously, the heavy contact sports like football, American football, or rugby, or, or anything like that, or wrestling, um, that's a lot of beating that a, a youth in a growing body is going to take. So how much is the right amount to do? And we're always going to hear different things. I mean, obviously, the someone coaching in the appropriate way. Now, I say this because 
I love watching Little League Baseball. I mean, I absolutely love it. When Little League Baseball comes on TV and ESPN is playing it, I mean, the teams from all over the country and obviously all over the world, I love watching it. They, they're 11 and 12-year-olds, and, I mean, these kids are so skilled. Uh, but then you see the commercial that, come on, Mom and Dad, volunteer to coach. And don't get me wrong, I appreciate every coach out there that volunteers to coach. And at the rec level, these kids have a team because of the volunteer moms and dads. And I thank you personally for putting that time out there, for for coaching the kids, for being there so they have a team, so they have an outlet to do it. Uh, In some cases, I I would never volunteer to coach basketball because I don't know the sport. And don't get me wrong, I know it from a fan level. I know it from a recreational level. I know the rules. I mean, I can tell you what's a foul, although... In basketball, to me, everything's ticky-tack. I mean, you breathe on someone and it's a foul. So I would get frustrated with that from a coaching standpoint. I mean, where soccer, you can kind of bang bodies. Um, I know where the three-point line is. I know what the key is. I know I know the terms, but I would never properly be able to to- coach a kid in playing the sport. So I would never put myself in that position. I've seen many incidences where, especially soccer, because I don't say this in a negative way, but it is still the quote-unquote foreign sport. So a lot of times when you see the athletes that are playing soccer, they come from the Portuguese communities, the Italians, the Brazilians, the Albanians. I mean, it's a lot of the the communities that do have a good core of immigrants that play that sport where... And, America is apple pie and baseball, so every dad knows the sport of baseball. So you'll get that volunteer father to coach soccer because they had no one to do it who doesn't really properly know the sport. My opening line when I coached the U13 level was, hey guys, I'm Coach Jay. I coached 15 years of high school. I don't care about winning. And I'd get the deer in the headlight looks from all the parents. I had a couple parents take their kid and go to another team. My thing was, I did not care about winning. These are 11, 12, and 13-year-olds. My job as a coach was to teach them the game so when they got to the middle school level and even more importantly, the high school level, they knew what to do. Where a lot of coaches, again, the coaches that don't know the game, they're going to take the fastest kid, which was deemed the quote-unquote best kid, and let him do whatever he wanted to do. So that fast kid that did not know the sport at all could grab the ball, run up the field and score goals and they were looked at as a hero and I was and now I joined the dark side at referee high school soccer and I had a JV game between two schools within Waterbury the town I live in um, and there were five kids that I either coached or coached against um, and one particular kid who was one of these ones that was fast but not really skilled and I coached him at the U8 level, the U10 level, but at the U13 level, his parents decided to go to another team with a coach who allowed him to run up and down the field, and basically he played his freshman year on the JV team of his school and then realized he can't hang. He did not know the game. He did not know the sport. He wasn't that good because he wasn't coached. And nothing against the parents. Like I said, I, I love to have those volunteers because this kid had the opportunity to at least get out there and play, but there's a difference. I know within the state, there's only a couple sports that you actually need a certification to coach, and I believe it's gymnastics and diving, even wrestling. You can be out there with no clue of the sport and let people toss your kid around like it's nothing, throwing them on the mat, throwing them on the ground with no regards to what's safe and what's not. Uh, Again, proper coaching in, in contact sports like hockey and football, they teach you 
how to hit. I mean, don't put your head down. Don't lead with the top of your head. I mean, see what you're hitting. Keep your mask up, stuff like that, so the kids are safety safe and so they protect their necks. So there's coaching from the safe aspect of it, and then there's coaching from the skill set, and then there's coaching from just strategies. Now, baseball, big thing for me, I love small ball. I love to drop a bunt. I love a squeeze play, a suicide squeeze, move the runners over, productive outs. Another coach might want to just swing away. Hit, let's hit home runs all the time. Let's hit bombs. Let's just kind of hit the ball as hard and as far as we can every single opportunity we get. Now, that's a strategy thing. I, you can't argue it. I like the small ball. You like the long ball. And you take a, a soccer team or a hockey team or a basketball team. We want to play more of a defensive strategy. Nope, I want to play more of an attacking strategy. Again, it's a strategy thing. Is there a right and wrong? Not necessarily. Maybe in the situation we can argue which one's a better fit. But there is a case of knowing the sport. For those of you that don't know what a suicide squeeze is, you have a runner on third base and he's trying to steal home. The batter needs to square around, drop the bunt, and it's considered a suicide squeeze because if the batter misses the ball, the catcher's now holding it, and your runner's dead at the plate. He's out. Um, this is one that I know even when I coached with Coach B, he preferred not to do it because if you miss the play, someone could seriously get hurt. So at the U13 level, I'm one of the assistant coaches. I see my son on third base take off to steal home. He's running full speed, head down, not even looking at what's going on, and the batter takes a full swing at the ball, Luckily, hits a clean line drive over the shortstop's head, lands for base hit, my son scores. I absolutely went ballistic on the coach. You cannot, I don't care if Derek Jeter is at the plate, you do not swing away at a ball when you have a runner trying to steal the plate. If that kid swung a fraction of a second earlier and rips a line drive down the line, he would kill that runner, literally. And this is where you run into the, hey, mom and daddy, Come and volunteer to coach. And this is where I say, no, you have to have some skill. You have to have some knowledge. You can actually hurt these kids. And like I said, in a case like this, potentially kill someone if you don't know what you're doing. And I went bonkers on this coach, uh, which if you know me, that's not how I act. But when it comes to a place of the kid's safety and, and really doing something stupid, I'm going to call you out on that. So this is from a coaching standpoint. We need to know what to do from a safety aspect first. When we have those athletes that are, are, that are training every day, and not every day is meant to be a hard day. Not every day needs to be run, 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 run. And practice can be the mental game. And like I said, there's some sports that are more physical. And, you know, my family comp competes in archery. Don't get me wrong. We get fatigued. It's a lot of back muscles that we're using. But it's definitely not the same sport as soccer. So we can train every day for archery and be a little sore in our back. We train every day for soccer. And I'm feeling it now with just refing games. I'm running between 10 and 15 miles a week as the referee. And I feel it in my legs. I can imagine these kids that are running, I mean, every day, three, four, five miles during practice, during matches and, and whatnot, and imagine the wear and tear on them. But there's also that mental game. And when I coached high school soccer and even high school baseball, um, I'd say more so on the soccer side, we would have days where we have chalk talk. If it, was, if it happened to be a week where we had three games, okay, we'd have a game on Monday, 
have practice on Tuesday, a game on Wednesday, and then Thursday, instead of having a physical practice, we'd go out, we'd do our lap, we'd do our stretching, but then we'd go inside and do chalk talk. I mean, during the time like now, when it's the... Uh, and the Champions League going on, if we had internet access later in my coaching career, we'd put we'd put a, a match on. We'd actually go in and as a team watch a Champions League match and we would call things out as we're watching it. Hey, see how that overlapping run went? Hey, did you see how they crossed this way? Notice how the the wing came out this side, but then the midfielder dropped back to hold the defensive spot and we'd have talk or we'd talk about the previous game or we'd go over different things. Hey, tomorrow's match, if we go up, we're going to go to this formation. If we go down, we're going to go to this formation. So there's the mental side of it where we can train the mental game, the the theory of the, the game without beating up our bodies. And there's times when you see youth sports and youth athletes that are every single day, they're, they're doing something. Every day they're on the soccer field. Every day they're in the pool. Every day they're on the gymnastics mat. And don't get me wrong, you have your elite athletes I mean, that 1% of 1% that's going to make the Olympics, that 1% of 1% that's going to be a pro ball player, okay? These are the isolated, very, very, very rare situations. But when we're taking our kids and we're making, and and in some cases making them, I mean, don't get me wrong, I mean, every parent likes to live through their kids, the opportunities that they didn't have. And when I was a kid, pretty much the only thing you did was Little League Baseball, and soccer wasn't out there as much and basketball and, and archery and all these things. And yes, you hear the history of these sports and how people played in the 70s and 80s and did it. But back then it was Little League Baseball I and mean, Pop Warner football has been there. Um, the case, I mean, here's a case of a parent being worried. My mother wouldn't let me make, play football. A friend of mine played football. She wouldn't let me play football. I broke my nose playing soccer. Kind of joke around about that one. Um, went up to head the ball and got headed by the back of someone else's head. Um, but where do, we, where do we cut it off? Where do we say, okay, enough is enough? At what age do we say, you know what? Five days a week doing the activity is too much. Maybe you should only be doing three. I mean, at what point, even when the kid enjoys it, at what point are we taking other opportunities away from them? Yes, I understand that you enjoy soccer. You love soccer and you're doing it five days a week. I understand that. But now because you're doing soccer, you can't do drum corps. Because you're doing soccer, you can't do band or you can't do this, you can't do that. And every now and then you'll see a video on on Instagram and I think it's great. You'll see the high school band playing the halftime show as a football as a football game and then you'll see one kid in their football uniform playing trombone walking around the field. I mean, and I'm going to give the, his coach credit cuz at the high school level Halftime is pretty significant, and this happens to be a starting player. You're allowing that starting player to have a more well-rounded life than just worrying about the football match. He's in the band as well. Let him go out in there and play. And I mean, I kind of joke that my circle of friends, I have my musician friends and my athletes. I mean, you got your jocks and your band geeks, and a lot of times they don't cross over. But there are a lot of cases where there's this great athlete who's also a great musician. So you're going to tell him, nope, you got to do this every single day. I mean, I had a kid that would play, that played soccer for me. He also played football. And every now and then he's like, hey, I got to leave early. My, my son's got a football game. I'm like, do you ever tell your football coach your son's going to come late because he's got a soccer match? Then don't get me wrong. We all have our, our hierarchy of what, what's our main activity, what's our secondary activity. And I mean, it's not always going to be the same as mine. 
And within my, my Joed program, my archery program, and my kids, both my kids play soccer. They both play an in, in instrument. I have another girl that's on a dance team that has competition. So she's missed some state level archery competitions to go to state level dance competitions. And that's fine. I mean, archery is not going to be everyone's first activity. And I, and I like that she's not training in one all the time that she gets to the other ones. We just have to make sure we don't burn them out. And then as parents that we don't push them too much. And I worked with someone whose son was a great baseball player and she eventually told me, nope, he stopped playing baseball. In part because as a parent, she probably shoved it down his throat a little more than they were ready for. And th there's always been an argument of what age should a kid be throwing a curveball. And the way you, you snap your wrist, the way you move your elbow, it's and Tommy John surgery is uh, in the elbow, um, loosely described. Everyone's heard of uh, an MC, or ACL injury and someone blowing out their knee, loosely um, explained the Tommy John is basically like the ACL of the of the elbow so that ligament goes and you'll see kids throwing curveballs at early ages and it's a big argument of okay when should a kid really start throwing a curveball and at what age is it safe we're not, we're not putting excessive wear and tear on the body where we're not beating them up we have to make sure that we don't burn out our kids physically and on that we have to make sure we don't burn out our kids mentally and emotionally, especially at that young age group. And again, the, the rec league that I was in, 7 and 8, 9 and 10, 11, 12, 13. So U8, U10, U13. I'd have parents come up to me all the time. Hey, how come your kid can play goalie and mine can't? Well, mine's good at it. I wouldn't say that, but my son is a senior starting keeper on his team. My other kid's a freshman and he made the team because he's a keeper. And so my kids have been doing it. My older son was literally on a high school soccer field at five years old doing the drills with the high school kids. So he has the experience. He, he's, he's good at what he does. But my real argument was, I don't care if your kid gives up seven or eight goals. That doesn't bother me. I don't care if we lose 10 nothing and he gave up eight of the goals. But when he sits in the backseat of your car and he cries all the way home and next Saturday you don't show up because he thinks he stinks because he gave up eight goals, that's on me as a, as a coach. Now we burned out the kid emotionally. We burned out the kid mentally. I mean, there's a lot more than just the physical burnout. I mean, I was talking with training in terms of archery. And the other day, my son shot about 250 arrows in practice. Now, I run three classes, plus we shoot a league on Sundays. I have a 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, and 11 o'clock class, with the 11 o'clock being my competitive archers that my son's in that class. Then we have a, a quick break, and then we have a league at 1 o'clock. So my other son will usually start shooting maybe midway through the first class. So he's shooting a little by 9.30, shoots some more at 10, and then he shoots his full class, and then he shoots the league. I mean, we're, we're talking anywhere between 200 and 300 shots. And that can physically drain you. So I tell people, we need to build the arrow count. We need to build the stamina because in archery, it's one sport where game speed is slower. In baseball, I can hit balls to the first baseman. In a game situation, the ball is going to come so much harder. Well, in this case, we can shoot 100 arrows in an hour and practice, no problem. Go to an indoor tournament, 60 arrows, it takes two and a half hours to do that tournament. If you're not prepared for that, it's going to wear you down. So we need that arrow count. But I suggest you want to shoot on Monday for arrow count, maybe shoot on Tuesday for arrow count. Well, if you're going to shoot Wednesday, I want you to go in there. I want you to shoot a 
300 round, so 30 arrows, and we'll say 36 including the two practice ends, so less than 40 arrows at tournament speed. I want you to take your time. I want you to take your three shots. I want you to walk down to the target, write your score down, come back, and now it takes you about an hour to shoot just 30 arrows where normally you're shooting 100 plus. So now we're not training so much physically. Yes, we're worried about our form and everything, but we're not doing this to build endurance. We're doing this to build the mental game. We're doing this to build the focus. We're doing this to build and the, the head game and all that stuff. And we're not wearing down the body. We're working on a different aspect of it. And and then at the same time, there's other days where we don't score because we don't want you to worry about that. We don't want to burn you out mentally and emotionally. So a, a big thing and from a coaching standpoint for the coaches that might be listening and from a parent standpoint, we don't want to burn out our youth athletes in any manner, whether it's the physical aspect, whether it's the mental aspect, emotional aspects. And perfect example, and Patrick Wawaw, one of the best goalies to ever play in the NHL, played for the Montreal Canadiens. They left him in a game where he gave up, I believe it was eight goals. He immediately went over to the owner or the general manager of the team and said, this is my last day in Montreal. And this is one of the best to ever play the game. And you embarrassed him and you burnt him out emotionally and mentally by leaving him in the game and he demanded a trade. We don't want to do that to a kid. We don't want to burn them out in any manner. I mean, just like that health tripod, physically, mentally, and emotionally, from a training standpoint for our athletes, we do not want to burn them out. We need to let them have that rest time. We need to let them prepare for their matches in any way they can. And there's some times where it's like we have a big tournament coming up Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. You know what? You take Thursday off. That's the day for you just to mentally rest your, your body. And for those that coach high school at at a top-tier high school where you're, I mean, the premier teams within your state, it's okay to take that rest day. It's okay to do that chalk talk day. It's okay to go into the weight room and do more of a recovery day and a stretch day and a band work day. We don't need to always push full speed every day. And I use the analogy with people that you know how to cook. You need to cook with salt. You need to add a little seasoning. But if you add too much salt to your food, it's going to ruin it. And that's the same way with our youth athletes. If we put too much of anything in there, we are going to ruin the sport for them, ruin the activity for them. They're not going to enjoy it. And more is not always better. So let's protect our youth athletes physically, mentally, and emotionally. And just let's sit back, enjoy the show, and watch them succeed. Hope you enjoyed this. Shift Mindset Podcast is for entertainment purposes only. While the suggestions, strategies, and practices we have given have been proven successful for our personal use as well as clients we have worked with, these recommendations should not supersede instructions given by any licensed professionals, including but not limited to your primary care physician and mental health professionals. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today for the PowerShift Mindset Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. Be sure to like and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at The PowerShift Mindset and also visit thepowershiftmindset.com. Thanks again for listening to The PowerShift Mindset.